This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today we have as our guest, Susan Gold, who is formerly an agent with ICM, where she focused on attaching celebrity talent to brands. And she is the author of Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, her book about growing up in a challenging family system. And I'm Mary Elkins. Susan has excelled working with celebrities in New York City and Los Angeles and is now living a quieter life in Montana. She leads webinars, workshops, and retreats helping others drop their outdated storylines and to find their authentic freedom as adults. Welcome, Susan. So glad to have you. Hey, thank you, Mary. Thanks, Kathy. That was a really nice introduction, and I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm delighted you two have taken this on. I love the topic of your podcast and the title. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to the path you are on today? Wow. Well, thanks for asking. I grew up in a really challenging home in central Pennsylvania and just dreamed of escape. I mean, my parents were doing the best they could, but it was it was difficult coming from the families they had come from and Mm -hmm. their families in the same way. Their parents came from difficult and challenging, traumatic households. So it was abused and damaged children raising abused and damaged children. Um, And I used to watch Barbara Walters from my beanbag in the basement and just wanted to get to New York City and be like Barbara. That was my dream. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, well, you got to New York City. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and talking about that, how did you become known for matching celebrities to brands? And if you have any celebrity stories, give us a try. I'd love to hear them. Thank you for asking. I did leave the morning after high school graduation, and I didn't really want to go to college, but I put up with it. And midway through, I was able to get to New York City on an arts management internship. So I was 19 living in Greenwich Village, ferreting my way through Uh the the city and really getting the lay of the land. And then I returned um, after I graduated from college. Um, And I I did work at ICM. um, And my boss left shortly after I joined um, and invited me to come with him. And I knew I would learn much more um, working directly with him than I would have had the opportunity at the agency. And he was negotiating celebrity talent deals. Um, and I was actually training Barbara Walters on the side to, <laughs> to make a little more money. Isn't that odd coming full circle? Yes. Right. Yeah. Wow. So 
one morning I showed up at Barbara's house at 7am and she took one look at me and she said, what is happening? What is going on with you? My boss had a bit of a sexual addiction and he used to invite young women in for their moment on the couch and have them uh-huh. leave. It was quite awkward. Um, and then he had tried that same thing on me the day before I had my session with Barbara. So she got it out of me being the great interviewer she was. And it was fairly commonplace back then. But she said to me, Susan, I'm coming with you to work this morning and we're going to confront this man together. And I was (laughs) really taken aback. I said, oh, Barbara, it's okay. Uh, I got this one covered. So I did go into work that day and I was promptly fired when I made the confrontation. Um, Hours later, I realized I had left some things behind that I needed. I went back. The locks on the doors had been changed. Um, And Barbara actually offered me a position with um, her then fiance, who was um, Herb Adelson. He was running Boromar. And it would have been an incredible opportunity, but I just couldn't be an assistant anymore after what I had experienced. Um, so I decided to launch my own talent brokerage firm, matching yes. celebrities with brands before it was chic. And I was really frightened. I was 25. I had maybe three months of money in the bank. And I had a bit of an addiction to men, felt like I wasn't whole without a man. And I was in a fairly abusive relationship with one who held the purse strings. So I had been brave enough to just extricate myself from it. And I was so terrified I would be wooed back in. So I wanted to do everything I could to be successful. And somehow I was matched with Donnie Deutsch, who he's a television commentator and host now and an entrepreneur. But back then he was running his father's ad agency. And he said, do you think you can get me Andy Warhol to endorse Tri-State Pontiac? I don't know. I could try. Um, Did you know Andy Warhol at all? Had had any connection with him? Well, I knew about the factory and I knew the history there. And I knew the location of the factory. Uh, They were in Murray Hill uh, on East 33rd Street. But no, I I didn't know him. Um, But I'll curtail that story in case we read from the book. I'll share it a a little while later, the details of the story anyway. But that that was the deal that launched me. And that's how I became known for matching celebrities to brands. Well, that's that whole wow. story is a case of a terrible situation becoming an opportunity, which and people often were, don't see. And it was also you manifesting your future with Barbara Walters. That's pretty amazing, too. Yeah. You know, There's been a lot of a lot of magic in my life, as I'm sure there has been with you two, too, coming yes. from the backgrounds you are. I mean, such serendipity. The chances of me ringing Barbara Walters' doorbell as an adult. Yeah, I know. I love that story. And this leads me to my next question, which is, please describe a moment when you allowed your intuition to lead you. And I think you've already expressed several moments, but maybe there's a big a standout one for, the, for you on that. 
Well, I'll just stick with my my career in New York anyway. Um, somehow Roger Ailes caught wind of the fact that I could match celebrities to brands. And he was running CNBC and his own channel called America's Talking. He wanted celebrities to come on and sort of weight that brand. And that was my mandate. But believe me, celebrities were not flocking. So one night I took a cameraman and I said, come on, we're going to this red carpet event. And I was interviewing the talent as they came across the carpet. And then at the end of the interview, I had them look direct to camera and say their name and that they were watching the name of the network. And that became very popular. It was unknown, but it really weighted that brand. And I went into work and the head of promos called me into his office. This is about two weeks later. And he said, Roger Ailes wants to see you in his office right away. <laughs> I was like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> but actually Roger was very gracious and he offered me a producing spot on any show that I would like to choose from um, because he was so impressed with what I had been able to create. And it all came from intuition and just following it. I mean, I think that's really hard to do in today's sort of restricted corporate world. But back then I had a lot of freedom um, within that structure. So I was grateful and it actually led to Roger inviting me to help launch Fox News Channel. Wow. That's quite an opportunity. Yeah. It, was a, it was a huge opportunity <laughs> yeah, to launch that channel. Okay. Well, going back to trauma, trauma, how do people who were experienced trauma create transformation from it? Well, that's a really good question. And it's not something that I understood until fairly recently. I mean, I think I had shared with you that I came from a very chaotic home and I saw the same red flags happening in my life that I saw in that home, the same kind of scenarios. And I wasn't proud of that. And I knew intuitively, again, there was something wrong with that. Um, so I ultimately came to understand that I had issues with addiction that I needed to face in order to have a healthy platform. I didn't have a lot of tools for healthy living. I was just winging it the best I could, but it was starting to catch up with me. So I ended up going into traditional talk therapy, which was really helpful to lay down the storyline. I didn't really understand where it had come from. I survived it, but I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand the dynamics and the remnants that that had led. So I needed to face that first. And then I was clean four and a half years when I went to my first rehab, which is a little backwards. Most people go to rehab <laughs> to face their addiction, but I had done a business deal and it was just like being back in my home. I, I broke up more than a few fights between siblings, between my parents and it felt like I was right back in that same scenario. And again, with gratitude, I was able to recognize the red flag. Something was wrong, but I became suicidally depressed. And luckily I had friends around me who could see the signs and they confronted me and, and got me help and treatment. So that started a 10 year odyssey with learning about depression and how to work with it 
and how to incorporate a better way of living. <laughs> Do you have any uh, tools that you can tell our, our audience about? Well, I have to say, just be willing to be humble. And there's nothing wrong in not being perfect. I mean, we're so groomed to present in a certain way. And there's nothing wrong with letting your own mask fall, your own vulnerability show itself, present itself. We're all human beings. And honestly, this isn't the easiest planet in the universe, as far as I'm concerned. I think Have we're been to others. <laughs> only, in, only in my dreams, Mary, but I kind of feel like we might be in the ghetto of the universe. I'm not quite certain. Um, but yeah. I do see where comes the transformation, you know, from that, from examining that. It does create the transformation for you, right? It absolutely does. And I think the the biggest piece of that transformation coming together was when I was invited to Los Angeles. And I thought it was for a career opportunity. And it it was. Absolutely, it was. But it was also to meet one of my greatest gurus, who was the man who would become my ex-husband. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It must have become something in between, too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Kathy. You got that right. He was he was picture perfect. It was like he was out of the golden age of Hollywood movies. And I was producing for American Movie Classics backstories oh. on Hollywood movies and met him and thought, wow, he'd be an amazing expert. And he was. And then by the third interview, it was like a frying pan came out of the kitchen. We were shooting at a restaurant in West Hollywood, it was like the frying pan hit me over the head and I just fell a hook, line and sinker. He said all the right things. He, he posed the right way. It was like just every Hollywood, you know, uh, every Hollywood foible that every Hollywood little dash he had, it. but it was because that's how he had learned to survive. There was no real authentic persona there. And it took quite a long time for me to actually see that transparently. Uh, yeah. And I'm grateful I could. I mean, I was attached since second grade and Billy Fritz, I had to have some boy attention and it cost me. It, it's very valuable to have your own sense of being separate and aside from any other and mm -hmm. I did not have that until I met him and got deep in. You know, that's uh -huh. such an interesting thing that you just brought up because there's so many people in the world who don't, they don't know their own voice and they don't know their own heart. Is that something that you work with people on? Mary, thank you so much for bringing that up. And that's exactly where I was. I mean, as a child, I was telepathic. I could read the energy and I could hear the, the thoughts. And it was a, a survival mechanism. And although I dropped the telepathic ability because it became dangerous and just put that aside and asleep, I was a chameleon. I mean, I could instantly transform to whom I thought, 
you might want me to be. I had no idea who I was. And getting sober helped uncover that. But truly, it was not until I went through extricating myself from the marriage from a man I just adored and thought was my answer that I could really see my authentic power and really come to an understanding of who that bright, beautiful, sweet one was inside of me. And that's what a lot of my trajectory has been about. And I absolutely do share that with others. I see so many carrying this big, heavy, deep bag of old armor that is totally unnecessary, but we see it as our survival and as Uh our faith. But yes, I do help people drop it. And it is scary to transform, but it's possible and it leads to ultimate freedom. That's a fabulous answer. Thank you very much. We know that you're an endurance athlete and have competed in many triathlons, including the escape from Alcatraz. So how has this impacted your life? Endurance sport was something that I loved and I thrived on. I needed that to feel worthy. I think I may have gone to the extreme though, Kathy. It started with marathon running and the New York City Marathon and then the LA Marathon. And then it went into triathlon because I was getting too many injuries running. So I thought, well, if I spread the training out to swim, bike, run, maybe I'll have fewer injuries. Oh my gosh, the headset of that girl back then. But anyway, um, and I was really good at it and I thought I would do it for life. But ultimately, I was just bludgeoning myself and I'd be cold and tired. Ultimately, I went to master swimming because I couldn't keep up with the triathlon training. But I was training like an NC2A athlete. I'd jump in the Rose Bowl pool at 5.30 a.m. And sometimes it was 38 (laughs) on deck and 76 in the pool. I mean, everybody thinks Southern California is warm and sunny. It's cold. (laughs) And then I would go to throw some kettlebells and walk my dog around three times and then go to hot yoga. I mean, it was too much. I was using endurance sport like a heroin addict would use heroin because I was in pain. I was in agony. And ultimately that persona had to drop too. I couldn't walk around my block. I created a hip impingement and that's what really helped me go to the place of self-love and Mm self-soothing. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be out there doing triathlete work soon. (laughs) Um, Can you describe a moment of truth you've experienced in life? You may have already described one, but Give us one or two more, if you would. I think the greatest moment of truth was when I was really trying to hold my marriage together and it didn't belong. It was way past the expiration date. But I decided, well, if we create a post-nuptial agreement, maybe my husband can come to the table with some kind of integrity. And we got to the last point and I thought, oh my goodness, 
my marriage is going to be saved. Like everything's okay. And he crossed his arms and his eyes went into reptilian cold slits. And he said, I'm hiring an attorney and I'm filing for divorce. (sighs) And I heard a little whisper on my shoulder saying, this is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Uh Getting goosebumps on that one. Oh, boy. That's an incredible moment of truth. Yeah. And obviously you listened. Well, maybe maybe you felt you didn't have a chance to refute that because when somebody says that to you, what are you going to do? Well, I think there's, there's a lot of us that would have buckled, but I took all that endurance training and I was a longtime meditator. I would go on silent meditation retreats and I just kept allowing that angelic voice echo in my brain. This is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. And a day at a time, I faced it. It was difficult. He Uh remained in the master of a home I had bought and maintained for our family. And I was on a mattress on the floor in a partial conversion in the garage. And that was the billboard it took to fall on my head, to stand up and stand in my power. And within one calendar year, by maintaining no contact in that space, no eye contact, and contact only in writing with basically from me, the same five sentences, I was able to successfully divorce that man. And I wrote him a six figure check and he went on to his next victim. (sighs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You talked a lot about your childhood, but is there anything else you wanted to convey about that? Or should we, or you feel like you're complete with talking? I would really just love to say toxic family was not my title for the book. That's my publisher's title. My title actually was magical illumination because honestly, that's what it has been growing up within that kind of environment, though difficult. Look at the strength it gave me to stand up in that marriage that I was in and to understand my power. Look at the courage it gave me to leave that family system. And I love my father and I love my mother and I love my brothers and my sister. I truly feel they took really difficult roles as actors in my life movie and they really moved me forward. And I have huge compassion as a result. And I feel like I am going to help people now who've been in similar situations, but maybe aren't living as freely. Maybe they're still tied to the drama when that's like taking rat poison and eating it and expecting your perpetrator to fall dead themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, What would you say to someone who knows they have an issue with addiction, any kind of addiction, and wants to get clean? I would say treat yourself with love. Be kind to yourself. It's a process. And that you came in 
with a plan, your own specific plan, and this may be a piece of it. And do your best one day at a time to get support and love and to stand up in your truth because you are a bright, beautiful soul with a purpose here on earth. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. What would you say to someone is who's struggling with clinical depression? Oh, definitely love yourself. Definitely. And wait for the miracle. Do not take action in the place you're coming from. Depression is a serious illness. And unfortunately, depression sends a lot of messaging through your brain that may or may not be true. Mm-hmm. So hold on for the miracle. And there's such great help. You know, for me, I didn't want to take medication to help raise the serotonin levels up to where I could actually be on an even playing field. Uh-huh. And it took a young, angelic 17-year-old who was also a recovering addict to tell me in the treatment center where I was, if you came to this hospital and had tests done and weren't an addict, would you take that medicine if they told you it would help you with your illness? And I said, oh, absolutely. And so that was it. Like I was willing to take the medication and I used it off and on for 10 years until I came to the point where I realized what the symbols were what the warning signs were when I was starting to go down into that depressive state. And I could nip it in the bud. I would start talking really negatively to myself. I'd start to isolate more. Darker thoughts would be coming in. Things would go flat. I'd have difficulty getting up in the morning. I'd be very restless at night. So those were some of the those were some of the warning signs for me. Becoming mom, not being able to speak, tightness in my throat, and just that gray pallor and rings under my eyes, no joy, no light. So I could tell when it was happening and I could get treatment beforehand. As a matter of fact, towards the end of that year that it took for the divorce from my husband. I knew I was headed there again. Suicidal thoughts started coming to me as it got to the end because his trauma started to escalate and his actions got more severe and I felt responsible. So all that shame was kicking back on me. So what I knew to do was I set up one friend for each of the seven days of the week and I committed to calling them to connect in. And I committed that if I did not get a person and I was feeling suicidal, that I would call the next person on the list until I got someone to talk me through and talk me down. And that actually got me through the tail end of that experience. Mm, that's, good advice. Yeah, very, very good advice. And talking about your marriage, um, I'll put that in quotes, how would you coach someone in the middle of divorcing someone who may be a narcissist? So what I would say, and this is hard information to hear, especially when you're so in love with that person. I mean, I was deeply in love with my husband, Mm 
But what you have to understand is it's a false persona. They know how to punch every button that's a vulnerable button within you. And when you engage, they use it against you. They're incredible manipulators and they need your energy to survive. The Uh best thing you can do is hold no contact. That means no verbal contact. That means no eye contact. And believe me, I understand it. I was in our family home holding no contact. And that's what worked. My uncle, who my ex-husband unfortunately turned against me during the experience, his daughter ultimately ended up in the same exact circumstance, divorcing a narcissist. And finally, my uncle threw up his hands and said, do whatever Susan did because it worked. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Good for you. And what is one spiritual truth that you've had thrust upon you? Well, it's been thrust upon me, but I think I see it differently now. When you point one finger out, three fingers come back at you. I try not to judge people, but I do want to say I'm an empath. And that Mm. means that I really get into somebody's being and I feel what they're feeling. And I'm the first one to tear heartstrings and to help. So I've really had to watch that spiritual truth closely as an empath because I tended in the past to bring narcissistic relationships to me. And I used that spiritual truth to keep myself enslaved longer than I needed to. Mm. Very, very wise of you. I'd love to talk about your book. And please tell us what reactions have you had to your book? And it's called Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. And also, how long did it take you to write? And you mentioned earlier about maybe reading a piece of it. I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So it took me years. Um, I think in 2007, an Irish seer was the first one to tell me, you have a book to write. And I was like, poo poo that. I don't want to go through that for a PR tool. And then another intuitive told me, you have a book to write. And uh, it's going to help a lot of people. And then another intuitive recently said, you have three books to write. I was like, well, I better get this thing published soon. <laughs> I don't go through it again. Um, but it really helped me to get the storyline down. Um, and I was a bit disconnected from it because it's so hard to go back and really open those compartments yeah. again um, because it was painful. Um, But I really felt in the heart of my hearts that I owed it to myself. So I was a bulldog producer and made myself sit at my computer for 15 minutes a day, whether I had something to write or not. And within a year, I had a basic manuscript that I was pretty judgmental about. And a friend who's very wise said, go back and take a pass from little Susie's point of view, that little sweet one inside your heart that's experienced all of this. And that's when it softened and it really became something that mattered to me. I was reluctant to get it out. And I sent it to a longtime producing partner and friend. 
she has an expert platform. She develops experts for television programming. And there's a book label that's part of that platform. And she's actually a New York Times bestselling publisher. Wow. So she read the manuscript over the weekend. And on Monday, she said, this is an incredible story that needs to be told. I'll publish it. <gasps> so <laughs> I was kind of stuck. <laughs> that but, locked you in. That yeah. is very, very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. But I've actually had really um, positive reactions um, some people are terrified. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for everyone. I know it's going to reach a specific human uh -huh. being on a search and who is willing to be honest with where they are and what they're facing. But um, I've been told it's an activation that the person wasn't the same at the beginning of the book as they were at the end of the book. And there's also a workbook that's included because I wanted it to be experiential. I didn't want to just tell my story and then that's it. You're kind of left hanging. I wanted you to have tools too, if you wanted to pick them up that correlate with each chapter. Um, mm -hmm. And people have said that that workbook ties everything together and has actually helped them break ground in their own journey. That's wow. a great idea. Yeah. Can you can you pinpoint a short passage you could read to us that's your favorite? Um, or, I don't know if it's maybe my... not your favorite, but your an encouraging story or something that you love. Okay. Um, newly sober, I was undergoing the delicate dance of identifying and detonating inner demons when my boss tried to seduce me, like many of his wannabe actress victims. He chased me around the office one afternoon and tried grabbing my crotch. Shocked, I hurriedly collected my stuff and got out, got out the door, shaken, yet trying to find calm and assimilate the attack. Barbara Walters, the ABC anchor and host, was one of my personal training clients, which I had taken up as a side business. It was a funny connection to be working directly with her after watching her on TV with admiration when I was growing up. She took one look at me before our session the next morning and knew something was up. I never shared my personal grief, but it came up and out. After I confided in what was going on in my office, I sensed right away I touched a cord. She offered to come to work with me later that morning and confront my boss. Wow. <laughs> that would have been That's interesting had she done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been an even better story. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she was she was incredibly strong and she also had a heart of gold. She really yeah. did. Mm. Yeah, I met her several times and I just loved her too. I and, was uh, a great admirer. I was a former yeah. journalist and I we all wanted to be Barbara Walters. Didn't uh -huh. we? Didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> So much and so. Tell us a little bit, Susan, about your work in rescuing animals. I know that's um, a big part of your life now, I think, right? Well, the dog that I have now, this is her fourth home in five years, but this is her forever home. And oh. I've I've rescued since um well, I had a Bernie's mountain dog. He was the love of my life. I mean, I have a human son, but I want everybody to know you can love 
a pet as much as you love a human being and no, no anger or ill will towards my son. I treasure him with everything I have in my being. But I just feel these animals are true angel beings on this planet here to help guide us. And I really want to give them every opportunity. So I, I support no kill shelters and I've rescued and fostered from seven. Seven. That is wonderful. I, um, I recently lost my dog and I've, not having doggy energy in the house is traumatizing. And you're so right. They are our angels. They really are. They, they do soak up a lot of the trauma. Yeah, absolutely. And they have messages. Such as? <laughs> well, my dog will come with a toy and try to distract me every time I get too serious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, tell us a little about your business and how you do your retreats and workshops or your lessons. Thank you. So I just want to say to your listeners, I'm welcoming you to set up a free video call with me just to connect. I mean, sometimes, many times, especially in New York City in my studio apartment behind the ginger man, you'd have to like, look up and out to see what the sky was doing that moment. It can be <laughs> so isolating, right? So isolating. And you just need human connection. So that's the first thing. Please connect with me. Don't be shy. My website has all the information you need, which is susangold.us. But I help people through traumas similar to what I've experienced and just trauma in general because I have the experience of being there and I've stood up to a lot of it. And I know how difficult it is to walk through it regardless. And you're not insane and you're not bad. You just need connection. And that unfortunately has been so trained out of us. And I feel like the energy is finally shifting where our stories are unveiling, the secrets are coming out of the closet, and we understand we are one. And I really want to be that one. And what about the, you work, you do some workshops and some retreats? I do, I do. And that was one of the other purposes for coming to Montana. I mean, it was not on my bucket list but I really want to make this a home for physical retreats eventually. Right now, uh -huh. everything is online, but it's, there's such beauty. I'm in an area that's like Sedona before it got overrun with commercialism. Mm. And the energy is so pristine and the beauty and the magic is all here. Mm. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. I think you should open a retreat center as soon as you can. And what would you like our listeners to have as their main takeaway today? You've given a lot of good takeaways, but is there one point you'd like to make? Yeah, just to, just to be gentle with you. Yeah. Just to breathe, slow down, and breathe, and understand you deserve to be heard. Just breathe. <laughs> Bravo. That is, yes. Thank you so much. 
Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Susan Gold, author of Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, which is available on Amazon. You can read all about her coaching programs on Susan Col I'll say that again, susangold.us or susangold.us, which is a beautiful website. Thank you so much again, Susan. Thank you, Mary. And thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate the messaging and the production you're bringing to so many hearts. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you, too, Sue. And we yes. want to remind our listeners to watch our podcast now on video on our new YouTube channel called Late Boomers Podcast, and to please subscribe on there. And if you prefer just the audio, please subscribe on your favorite platform so you don't miss our weekly episodes. And please follow us on Instagram at Late Boomers and at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins. We hope that our episode today inspires you and gives you a little nudge towards self-care and finding your truth. Thanks again, Susan. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.